Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We are on episode 84. This is Josh Roop. With me, my co-captain, as always. Scott Larson. And Scott, let's talk about that sweet, sweet sponsor of ours. All right. Well, uh, flipping out pinball. If you have that desire to uh, outfit your game room, uh, contact Zach and Nicole. I actually looked and they seem to have some stuff in stock now. So that's actually pretty good. And if you want to really blingify your game, they have uh, art blades. They have shooter rods. They ha- I saw they had some toppers. So, uh, and you know how much I like toppers, but there are different ways that you can do it. And I know I just have some banners coming. So if you want to have that cool way of, uh, of decorating your, your game room, I actually just picked up a rush banner. So that's going in my game room. So nice. Well, and honestly, they have a couple mandos in stock. It looks like they have a GNR or two. If they might be gone by time we're talking about this, but you know what? Hit up Zach. He's got some stock, uh, and he's willing to work with you. So, like I said, I've, I've, he's always taking care of me. I've had a couple warranty issues, but you know what? He calls me. We get taken care of, and my machine's backing up, up and running within seconds. It feels like hey, you know, as soon as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I luckily it's just been like a loose screw or something like that. So Mecha Godzilla lost his belly button. <laughs> oh, the, the tummy grab. Oh, the tummy grab. So sad. So, all right. Well, well, let's not be rude. Let's let's get to our guest for today, Scott. And I know right. that you you love Rush. I I do, and so and everybody has uh, has said you know we we've taken too long of a break from talking about Rush, so we are gonna dive back into the deep end, and this time. We are talking with the artist of Rush, Michael Barnard, and of Sunburn Designs. So this is his first pinball machine. So we want to welcome him to the show and then really talk about the process because this is, uh, uh, I guess, pinball art is way different than typical commercial art. So uh, welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, thanks, you guys. So you are based out of Southern California, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, moved out here about a year and a half ago. I'm born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. I uh, spent about 17 years in Florida, and then we moved out west. Okay. Okay. What prompted the move? Uh, you know, after besides uh, the weather and the uh, and the sunshine and the, I, I've the... always wanted to live out here. And you know, we we had one final season of hurricanes, and we had lightning strike a palm tree in our backyard, and it went straight into the house. And like we were just kind of like, you know what, <laughs> we're done with this. Uh, let's just move out West. And, you know, I kind of grew up, uh, you know, curious about what it was like out here. I always wanted to come out and we, we took a trip out here a few years prior and fell in love with it. And, you know, my wife had lived in San Diego for a while and had always wanted to come back. So we just decided to make the move and I, yeah, I love it out here. All awesome. right. Yeah. yeah. So when did you start getting into art? Like what made you decide, Hey, this is my full-time gig. And if you want to go look online, so I'm going to plug you really quick here, Michael. You can go on Facebook, and he has like a super group of fans. You can go check out all of his artwork there. And what I'm impressed with, like I said, I want to know what got you into art, but also it seems like you've diversified too. You've got a lot of cartoony stuff, but it's also like you've got some realism stuff there as well. And- yeah, I've worked on a lot of stuff. Uh, so, you know, as far as when I got into it, I mean, I, I always love to draw. Uh, when I was a kid, my parents were really good about kind of nurturing that. I remember them putting me in art classes and stuff when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. 
Um, and it just kind of became my thing. That was what I always kind of fell back on. Uh, you know, I always enjoyed just sitting at the table, drawing stuff. Uh, you know, when I, I wasn't the greatest student <laughs> in high school. So, you know, when I got towards my senior year and it was time to start figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, uh, that was really the only, uh, you know, the only path that I ever really saw. So, um, I ended up applying for, uh, you know, the Columbus College of Art and Design, which was about an hour away from where I lived. And I got a scholarship there. So I just kind of took that path and uh, yeah, it worked out great. So um, I just kind of always knew that's what I wanted to do. So if, if I wasn't doing that, I have no idea what I'd be doing with my life. Now you went there with another uh, famous artist, correct? I did. Yeah. I. <laughs> it's funny. I, I had no idea. And uh you know, once the, the rush game came out and I was kind of allowed to kind of come out from the shadows and like introduce myself to everyone, you know, cause you're not really supposed to say anything. You got to kind of keep quiet while you're working on that stuff. Um, when the game came out, I started reaching out to some of the other artists, uh, for Stern, you know, Randy Martinez and some of those guys just to kind of say hi and introduce myself. And, uh, I went over to Jeremy Packer, which is, you know, zombie Yeti. And I was on his Facebook page and I was looking at it and I noticed, he went to the same school I did. And not only that, he went the same year that I did. And, uh, I, I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. And I shot him a message and we ended up chatting, you know, quite a bit. And we had a lot of the same friends in common. Just somehow we just, we never crossed paths. I've never met him before. If I did, I, you know, I didn't remember him, but yeah, we went to the same school together and everything was, you know, what are the odds? So yeah, yeah. he's, he's a really, he's a really cool guy too. We, we chat quite a bit on there. He's, He's really awesome. Yeah, Jeremy's great. We've we've had him on the show too, but that that's it's it sounds like a very specialized art school, though, right? I mean, you go to the school because that's what you want to do. Yeah, it, it's it's a very traditional art school. At least it was when I went there. It was a lot of the you know figure drawing classes and portraits and you know perspectives and you know everything's geared towards art. You know, even the history classes or art history. Everything's you know geared towards either you know advertising or, you know, illustration majors and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it was a great school. Okay. So you, f you finished that off and then like you've been graduated for a few years. So what did you do between <laughs> then and now? So right out of school, I ended up with an internship at, a at the Imes pet food company, which was like a big company in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, nothing great. I was there for a couple months and then I ended up getting a job for a place that did ads for the yellow pages, which is like torturous. It was awful. Um, but <laughs> it taught me to use Photoshop and illustrator and kind of start doing the digital stuff, which was really just kind of coming around, uh, when I graduated art school in 98. So it kind of gave me the chance to use those programs every day. I, I made it about a year. And then at that point I was like, I was done with Ohio and I just decided to move to Florida. And I went down there and I interviewed with a t-shirt company down there and I got on board with those guys. And that was, you know, probably one of the best moves I ever made. It was uh, certainly very lucky. You know, there, there's a million t-shirt companies out there that do all kinds of stuff, but this place in particular had a real emphasis on uh, really detailed digital artwork. And I got on with those guys and I learned from the artists that had been there, you know, for years and kind of picked up on their styles and how they did stuff. And, that just opened all the doors in the world. So I ended up becoming art director there. Uh, I was there for 17 years. Um, 
at some point I started kind of venturing out looking for freelance work, realizing I could make more money at home, you know, just in the evenings watching TV while I was working than I was making all day at, you know, at work. So, uh, my wife went back to school and got her master's degree. And as soon as she got a job, I left there and launched my own company. And that was, I want to say 2016. And uh, it's been going strong ever since. I was going to say, looking at your portfolio, it looks like you're a man of the 80s. I'm seeing a lot of Garbage Pal Kids, uh, Goonies 2, the Muppets are in here. We have um, uh, Christmas Story. Is yeah. that what you specialize in? What draws you to the 80s? It is. I'm just a pretty nostalgic guy. I mean, I obviously grew up in the 80s and I had a great childhood and, you know, I just, I'm very fond of that kind of stuff. So whenever I have a chance to kind of go out and do my own artwork or, you know, create something just for fun, that's kind of what I fall back on. And uh, I've found that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of other people that are into that obviously too. So I just kind of created a little niche for myself with that. And I got on board with tops and worked on, you know, the garbage pail kids and that kind of stuff. And I do a lot of stuff for some eighties rock bands and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just something I, you know, I know a lot about, so <laughs> it's kind of a good fit for me. So, okay. So doing all these projects, however, I, were you into pinball? So, so I, I want to go through the process of how you got to pinball art, because we're talking, it's a couple niche areas down from just being a commercial artist. Sure. Yeah. No, I, you know, again, growing up in the eighties, I was of course all into arcades and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't really know much about pinball, um, but I knew who Stern was. And it's just something I always thought would be really cool, especially, you know, we moved out West. There's a lot of casinos and stuff out here. So, you know, you're walking around looking at all these games with these bright backlit digital art and stuff. And I just remember thinking, God, I could do that. That would be really cool. And uh, I think my style would fit really well with that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I believe I had tried to get a hold of Stern a number of times. And, you know, it's one of those places they probably get hit up all the time by people and didn't hear anything back. But, you know, in the end, it's really all about timing. And I, I must have reached out to them at just the right time. And they got back to me and liked what they, you know, they liked my, my work and uh, I just started having conversations with them. And then that was right around the time that they were looking for someone to, to start on the rush game. And I kind of got my foot in the door. So yeah, it just kind of came together. It worked out really well. So I mean, rush is, uh, they had their heyday in the, or the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, really their big coming of ages, uh, is moving pictures, right? Yeah. And so th I would say that most people are familiar with them through that album. How familiar with Rush were you before you got invited to try out for the project? Honestly, not super familiar. I mean, I knew who they were. I knew four or five of the songs. Um, I knew they had a pretty fanatical base. Uh, you know, I can remember in high school, kids wearing Rush shirts and stuff. And it was, you know, I knew of them. I knew some of their stuff. I could definitely recognize their sound, but Honestly, if you had asked me about their albums and stuff, I, I wouldn't have known, <laughs> wouldn't have known that much. It wasn't until I got on board with the project that, uh, you know, I had to kind of dive into the, you know, watching the documentaries and reading over lyrics and studying the album covers and that kind of stuff. It, you know, it, it was definitely new to me, I would say, but, uh, but I liked it. You know, I, I feel like Rush is, you know, it's no secret. They're kind of divisive. A lot of people love them or hate them. I'm kind of 
not really either. Like I, I like them more than I, I wouldn't say I don't like them. I, I do like them. I just, I didn't know that much about them. And, you know, after listening to all the stuff that I listened to, to, to get ready for the project, you know, I, I really started liking them. So, yeah. I, I would say most people, ha- if they don't like Rush, they at least have a respect for Rush. Yeah. And, and, and I totally understand that is that they do have a unique sound and yeah. some people really like it and some people don't, but, uh, um, that that's certainly part of it, but Rush is an interesting band in that they've actually been with Hugh Syme, who is their art director for pretty much their entire career. I think, except for their first album, um, the the standard Rush uh, logo that people think about that's now on the back glass. Yeah. Um, but each album was totally different, and so when you're when you're making a pinball machine you're trying to incorporate all those albums. And I would say most bands tend to have a, a theme or a vibe that they are, um, they're consistent with. And if you look at, uh, you know, the Metallica brand, you could probably pick out, um, a style that they stick with uh, same with Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden was stuck with Derek, Rig- not stuck, but they were tied to a Derek Riggs esque vibe for a while. And that's what people identify that band with. Rush is different in that even though they had the same art director, each album was completely different from either photorealism to, uh, you know, to, I guess, surrealist uh, landscapes and everything was so different. But when you're tying that into one machine, how in the world do you incorporate 19 different studio albums into one uh, pin? It's definitely tricky, Uh, you know, especially when, one of the emphasis on the game is the time machine element, which is playing up all of those things from across their entire catalog. So basically I think what we did on this one was we just kind of went with my style and just tried to pull in as many things as we could. Um, obviously there are three designs for the back glass, which is where we started. Um, we tried to kind of play up the time machine element in each of those, um, you know, and then just pull in different things from each one. It was tricky for sure uh, to pull in different things. I, I studied those album covers over and over and over. And, you know, sometimes there's just not a whole lot there to pull from, you know, there's rabbits coming out of hats on Presto and, you know, th- there's just different things that really didn't have anything to do with the other ones. So it was tricky and, you know, you don't want to end up with just a, a design where you just have a bunch of random stuff scattered across it. So it was tricky, but, you know, I, I feel like we did a pretty good job pulling that together and just trying to keep keep in mind that, you know, the fans are going to look at this. Rush fans are going to look at it and they're going to be studying it. They're going to be looking for little things hidden in there and, you know, kind of critiquing it. So we took it very serious, but I, I think we did a pretty good job pulling all the elements in there. So when they pulled you onto the project did they give you kind of free reign or did rush have a direction they wanted to go with and said, Hey, this is what we're looking for. Or what, how, how'd you go about that? So it, yeah, it was really more free reign than I think I realized at first. Cause I'm, I'm used to working on a lot of t-shirt designs where things are very specific, you know, car shows where, you know, the client says, I want these three cars in a sunset. And, you know, you, you kind of know up front with this one, when I first started the project, I feel like looking back on it, I was kind of, uh, kind of just doing a little bit and then waiting on feedback and doing a little bit more until finally they were like, you know, they kind of were like, Hey, just 
go with it. Like throw anything out there that you can think of. And they were very, very open to uh, letting me kind of run with stuff. So they had a little bit of an idea of some of the things, you know, they, they knew that they wanted to play up that first album color uh, cover with the, uh, you know, kind of the light speed, you know, graphics coming off of it. Uh, they knew they wanted to do something with the cartoon characters from the comic books. Uh, so they had a little bit of direction on that kind of stuff, but as far as the layouts and everything, they kind of left it up to me, uh, which was nice. I mean, it's like anything, you know, I would work up some rough sketches and send it to them and they would send it back and say, you know, go with, go with this or maybe less of that or more of this. And, you know, they kind of, kind of walk you through it, but yeah, they, they gave me a little bit more freedom than, than I would have, than I would have thought. Which is which is nice. So, did you also kind of have? Because you talked about you had a little bit of arcade background and whatnot. Did you did also starting to kind of have to say, hey, we need like some artwork specific to the to the rules and stuff right here and whatnot. Like, how does how does that come into play as well? Yeah. Because obviously, you need inserts and stuff in there as well. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely will will kind of give you a template, uh, you know, with where the inserts would go, and they would say, you know down here in the bottom center, we're going to feature these five or six songs. So, you know, maybe put this here and that there and, you know, that kind of stuff kind of changes as you go. Um, you just have to kind of be ready to, to modify things, but yeah, they do kind of give you a little bit of a, you know, direction as far as what kind of stuff to put in certain areas. Um, and then it's up to you how you want to pull that off. Now you did bring up, uh, the comic series, which I would say even, um, most Rush fans had no idea that there's there was a comic series. I mean, I have like I have the the twenty one twelve release, and it actually has like the uh, the album that went through comic book style. And so, I would say that the average Rush fan who hasn't been keeping up with them would have no idea uh, that that exists. Really, um, one of the more dividing points of it, and we've talked about it before offline. But the the characters, the rushed characters that are in the center of the playfield. So I t- tell me more about that because I, I'll, I'll tell you the the criticism that I heard, and then you can give the counterpoint. But uh, one, they they thought that Neil uh, they they thought that looked yeah they didn't like the way Neil was portrayed. They also said Getty is the '90s version of it, Getty, yeah. you know, with with the soul patch and the and the round glasses when. If you're looking at the 2112, uh, you know, back cover, it, it's it, it's different. So it's you're basically blending in about three different styles. However, uh, this is this is what the band wanted, right? Yeah. So, so so tell me more about that incorporation. So you know, the decision was made, I think, early on that yeah, we're going to have to show these guys on the play field. Um, how do we do that? especially when, like you said, we're covering such a big era of work with different styles, different looks and that kind of thing. So I think fairly early on, the decision was made to go with the cartoon style uh, from the comic books. And I I don't know if maybe they were just kind of counting on people remembering that and going, Oh, okay. That's just another part of their, their catalog. Um, So, which of course, when it came out, I don't think anybody (laughs) hardly remembered those, those comics. So they thought that these were made from scratch, um, which they kind of were, but they were modeled after the comic book. Um, yeah, I, I saw the comments like the day this came out, we were actually in Hawaii and I, I remember waking up and 
jumping on my phone. Like, I can't wait to see what people think about this. And of course, oh, oh. that's when the trolls, <laughs> you know, they're out in full force. And that, that was definitely the thing that everyone jumped on. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, it, it, it was what the band wanted at the same time. It was kind of like, you know, we had to kind of make a decision when we were doing this. The comment I saw the most was that, you know, Neil looked like uh, some magician or somebody from the seventies, but you know, I, you know, he I had looked like the guy from, uh, Oh, Oh crap. Now it's going to ace of spades band. Oh, uh, Lemmy. Lemmy? Yeah. 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 He looked like uh, Lemmy is what I thought I, he I did got. He kind of looked like Lemmy. Um, yeah. But that actually, it, it does look like an early Neil. It really does. There are pictures of Neil that you're like, yeah, if you didn't know Neil back in yeah. the mid seventies, that's pretty much what he looked like. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I used photo references to, to, to get those when it, you know, it did, it looked just like him, but when it was all said and done, you know, Getty didn't look like anything spectacular. He just looked like a, you know, the thing that makes Getty stand out, you know, is those round sunglasses. It is the goatee, you know, or the little soul patch there. Um, so we just kind of decided last minute, we'll go ahead and put that on there. And I actually thought that would be the thing that people would, would point out the most and say, well, this is the wrong era. If the other guys are looking like this, then he wouldn't have had this. And in it's the a end, time, it's a time machine, right? You're yeah. from all eras. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, it was just kind of like, you know, this is what we're going to put here. Uh, you know, everybody at Stern seemed to love it and it was fine. And then of course, when it came out, that was, there's always going to be something that people, kind of go after and it turns out that that was pretty much the thing on this one. So, you know, it was kind of like, well, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's what they wanted. It's, you know, I, I, we were happy with it. I think it flows with the design pretty well. Um, I don't hear as much about it anymore. You know, in, in the beginning, that's all I, I think heard people about. are used to it. I, I, I think it, it really is totally fine. And really, if you, if you look at Aerosmith, like the cartoon Aerosmith band back there, yeah, I, I would say it's a fairly common reference that you would say yeah that's just a cartoon version of the band yeah yeah you know what though looking at this artwork though it's just i i love the le back glass your play with the contrast of the hot and the colds every like the hots feel very warm it's just like it's it looks so good with the snow and everything and it just it really i mean this is a really good quality art and and it's in my opinion it, it pushes pinball forward. I mean, we've had some interesting art designs. I mean, it's gotten better, especially over these last five years. But for people to complain about something that a licensor wants, and and it's their game. They sh they should have every right to do whatever they want with it. And yeah. you know, I just it. You look at this, and it's like this is a heck of a lot better than the Photoshop cut and paste of the two thousands. Like this is just astounding. I yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of thought, you know, when I was working on it, I kind of thought the back glasses, you know, would be the things that everyone would kind of focus on. And that's the kind of stuff you would see shared online and that kind of stuff. And then it was like, when it came out, like everyone just, <laughs> they dialed right in on the center of the play field. And I was like, uh, but you know, I, I did, I will say, you know, the trolls came out for sure, but and I, and Troll, I, and trolls I, wake up early, just in case yeah. you wonder, <laughs> like trolls are the first people up in the morning. And I, and I was warned about them and everything, but I got to, to be honest with you though, I, I got a ton of messages from people, just direct messages uh, telling me how much they liked it. And you know, that, that was kind of nice. Like I, a lot of people took time to kind of message me and say, Hey, I saw, saw some comments and people are coming down on this. You know, I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. You know, so there, there was way more love than hate for it. So, you know, in the end, I just wanted Stern to be happy. 
and I think they were. So <laughs> that's really what mattered the most. So. So tell me about the three different art packages. I mean, when you're doing this project, if you're unfamiliar with pinball, this may be the first time you realize that oh, there's actually three different versions of this game and you're going to be developing an art package that will go to all three. Yeah. So what was your approach for each one of them? Did you do three art packages and then just decide which fit best with which one, or did you have a goal for each of the art packages? Uh, more or less, that's kind of what we did. We just kind of came up with, what we thought would look cool. Um, again, the idea was to, to kind of bring that time machine and different elements across the, the different back classes. Um, you know, we just kind of worked on them. I kind of bounced back and forth between the three of them. Um, when we got the idea to kind of do something based on Neil's drum kit and kind of go with the steampunk, like everyone loved that right out of the gate. So that I think pretty early on, they knew that they were going to use that for the LE. Um, which came out really awesome. And then, you know, of course there's the, the comic book style one, you know, that was a direction to take to put the band on the side of the cabinets. So that kind of became its own package. And then of course the other one with the start, you know, the burst logo uh, for the other one. So, you know, I just kind of worked on them as I went and, you know, as I would turn them in, I would kind of get feedback and they'd say, you know what, I think we're going to use this for the premium. Let's use this for the pro let's go this direction, you know, so I kind of just fed them art as I did it. And they, I think they have such a good eye for that kind of stuff. They just kind of knew, you know, what they wanted to use each one for. So. So obviously you've been up to Stern, right? Yes. I went there last summer. Awesome. So yeah. what game has you, you, I assume you got to play some of the games up there. Which one stands out to you so far? Um, I, Honestly, I didn't really get to play many while I was there. It, it was kind of odd. I mean, I worked on this game during covid so okay you know, yeah they were basically they just reopened i don't know if they ever completely shut down or not i know when i was there they had all the you know the the plastic up between all the employees and stuff it was kind of a lot of the guys were working from home and that kind of thing but um greg walked me around and showed me everything it is have you guys been have you guys been to that factory it is <laughs> it is I, impressive. I, we, we haven't been able to tour yet so <laughs> yeah, we went we went uh, last October, but they weren't allowing anyone to go tour yet. So yeah, it's it is impressive in there how they how they do it, and uh, they they did have a section with you know some of the games there. I didn't, you know, I don't think I even played anything while I was there. Honestly, I was just kind of in awe looking around. I did get to go to an arcade in Los Angeles not too long ago um, that had a whole bunch of the Stern games there, kind of just lined up. It was one of those free play. You know, you pay like 20 bucks to get in and they just turn you loose in there. And uh, and they had the Rush game there, so that's where I got to play that. But yeah, I played uh, Godzilla and ACDC and uh, Jurassic Park, all those games there. They're Stranger Things. It's Yeah, it's just awesome. So how does one go about designing a play field? Because it's not like you have a blank canvas. You're actually designing around mechanisms, around ball paths. And, um, so how did you approach that? And did you get any advice from other artists? Um, well, no advice from other artists just because, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> these jobs are like super top secret when you're working on them. So like, I couldn't really reach out to anybody or anything, but, um, but the guys at Stern were, you know, they were great. They knew this was my first one. Um, so they, they kind of walked me through it. I would get directions sometimes and I wouldn't even understand, you know, they would say, you know, put this down here in this return lane and this over, here. they would use terminology and stuff. And I'd have to be like, 
well, hold on a second. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about or where you're talking about. So they would go in there with like a red marker and kind of mock it up and say, this is what I'm talking about, you know, over here. Um, as far as designing the play field, you know, by the time it comes to me, it's already kind of figured out where all the inserts are going, where the plastics are going. You know, the engineers and those guys have been playing around with that stuff already for quite a while by the time it gets to me. Um, so, you know, I just kind of took it and, the, you know, they marked up like we were talking about earlier. They said, you know, down here we're going to have, you know, five or six of the songs. So we, we want some graphics that go with, you know, these particular songs, whatever imagery you can think of. Um, we definitely, you know, we want to have the portraits of the guys. We'll put those here. Um, we were going heavy with the, uh, steampunk stuff. So we're going to do that on all the plastics. Um, you know, I just kind of, you know, immediately when I looked at it, I, I just saw the owl at the bottom center and that worked out good with the eyes, you know? Um, so yeah, they kind of turned me loose on that one. It was pretty wide open and I just kind of threw some stuff down and, tried to make it look cool and have it kind of fade into, you know, outer space a little bit towards the top and kind of pull in some elements from all three cabinets. And, um, yeah, it just kind of came together. I think it worked out pretty good. So what surprised you most about this whole process? Um, honestly, the, the amount of detail and parts and pieces involved in something like this, I've never worked on anything that had this many, uh, elements to it you know, from the, the side blades to the, you know, the back panels and all the little plastics and the targets and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, when I tell people I worked on a pinball machine, I don't know that, you know, unless you've been around a modern pinball machine, you probably don't really have any idea just how involved they are. Like how many, how many, <laughs> how many parts and pieces are on there? I mean, I worked on this project for almost a year and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of files a lot of stuff involved with it. So yeah, that was kind of, that surprised me like how much was involved. Um, Stern sends your own external hard drive. You're going to fill this up soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I could have for sure. <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming you uh, did even all the small stuff, like the drop targets on the, on the left and the stand up targets on the right. Yeah. Yep. Everything, okay. every ounce of it. Yep. <laughs> Where did the cork flying into the black hole come from? That was on, again, I'm, I'm not a huge rush guy. Like I didn't know that much at the time. That was on something that we had looked up. I don't know if it was from a, a tour poster or a greatest hits. I, I can't remember where that came from. It definitely came from something, <laughs> something rush related that we found, you know, when, you know, looking through things, but it just kind of fit, you know, it just kind of worked there. So I put it in there and, you know, there, there's some, definitely some, goofy stuff on there. Some, you know, what they kind of refer to as just Canadian humor, you know, with the hootigan and, you know, some of that kind of stuff in there. So yeah, the, the Korg is, <laughs> it is odd. It's the first time I've been asked about it. I just kind of saw it somewhere and put it in there and I don't know, it just kind of fit. Well, it, it does fit a little bit for people who are unfamiliar with Cygnus X1. Uh, you know, it, that's going to be one of the end songs, right? So there's Cygnus X1 and Cygnus X2. Cygnus is uh, the first identified or at least suspected black holes. And so that's why, like, when I saw that and I saw the court going into the black hole, I thought that was, uh, uh, that sounded very Rush humor-esque. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just kind of fit. I, I don't, I don't know. It just worked. 
So now that you're out in the public and whatever, and people know that you work with Stern and whatnot, are you going to be going to any of these pinball events, maybe coming and hanging out with some of these people that love your artwork? Yeah, I would love to go. I, I didn't really realize how big the Texas festival was until I started seeing all the pictures online. And I knew about it. I didn't really know about it in time. Um, and I, I honestly, I felt kind of weird. Like, I've only worked on one. Like, I, I don't know yet if I'm sort of a one-off, <laughs> you know, or if there's more. I just felt kind of weird trying to go there and set up, like, a space or something there. Um, but next year, I would definitely go. And, uh, you know, I know there's one in Chicago, I think, in the fall. Unfortunately, falls right on my wife's birthday. So that that one's going to be a little tough to make it to as well. But um, I would definitely like to go to the to the Texas one next year, though. Who, who doesn't want deep dish pizza on their birthday? <laughs> that's true yeah you have to convince your wife come on we'll, we'll eat deep dish pizza and and, <laughs> yeah. and and the nice part is is your 80s repertoire fits right in with the demographic of pinball owners so even with just having the rush you i guarantee if you brought the the garbage pal kid stuff and whatnot which by the way i've got to ask did you do the the art for the that beer or whatever it was that came out with the garbage pal kids that oh, were the pinball ones it's funny i didn't do that and i saw i saw that online and i was like Stern is sharing this and it's, I don't know. It was kind of weird. It was like, that's my thing. And there's Stern sharing. <laughs> no, I didn't do that art. I don't know. I don't know who did that. I don't know if they, if they thought it was you. I, cause I sent you a link. I sent you the picture and I, I basically was thinking yeah. that was you. That's why I sent it yeah. to you. No, that wasn't me. I don't know where that was from. I, I don't know if that was like legit licensed stuff or if that was just somebody homebrew you know, doing their thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. <laughs> homebrew. That, that wasn't me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice nice so what's on the horizon for you um honestly right now it is a game of catch-up i have got more work on my plate than (laughs) than you can imagine i just took a trip to ohio to see family and uh i was gone for about two weeks and i just came home i've got jobs stacked up a mile high (laughs) so nothing too exciting a lot of uh you know t-shirt designs i've got some stuff for some rock bands i've got some car show designs uh I do a lot of disc golf stuff. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the disc golf. Um, that's kind of become my big thing as well. So I do a lot of that. I've got a lot of uh, custom jobs for that. I've got my own line of discs. I try and put one out, you know, once a month or so. I'm a little behind on that. So, yeah, it's, it's really just a lot of uh, stacked up work to get caught up on, you know. What was your favorite part of this project? Uh, my favorite part of it. Uh, let's see. Hmm. It's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think just working with, uh, with the guys at Stern and like talking to some of these engineers and these guys are just unbelievable. Anything you can think of, they can do. And it, it's, it's really kind of amazing. You know, the whole process, I, I think actually once it came out and actually being able to go see one and play one is pretty incredible you know, all that time and work that you spent on this, you know, stuck back here pulling all nighters and that kind of stuff. And then to be able to like actually stand there and play it. And, um, I'd say the positive feedback that I've seen online, I know there's a couple rush, uh, pinball fanatic groups and watching those guys discuss it and show pictures of it in their living rooms and their man caves and that kind of stuff. And, you know, seeing how there are, you know, rush launch parties that, 
arcades are having and bowling alleys and all these different places and all that kind of stuff all centered around this one project that I got to be a part of. That's, you know, I, I don't know that there's one specific thing that was my favorite part about it, but just the, the whole experience was just awesome. It was really cool. So I, you know, I loved it. I had a great time. Everybody's been really cool about it and um, hoping it'll lead to, uh, to more stuff. Well, and what's your repertoire? I, I, I bet we'll definitely see you sometime in the future because we're um, they're making more pins. So, <laughs> yep, there's no no shortage of pins at this point. Yeah. Is, okay, if you had to pick one back glass to hang on your wall, which one would it be? One back glass of the three rush designs. Yeah. Oh, uh, the LE. Yeah, definitely the LE. That was yeah. That LE is nice. It yeah, is. It, it, it looks really good. And actually, so I have an LE. And, uh, when people come over and I'll say, you know, say, what's the difference between an LE and a premium? And I start going through things and I say, well, one thing an LE has is a mirrored back glass, which most of the time you can't tell is there un unless you're looking closely. If you look at the rush one, you can definitely see the mirroring on the back glass and it, it shows you, it enhances the, the package a lot better. So yeah, that's what she yeah. said. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Josh, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I I do like the uh, the back glass, and I will say the owl. Uh, like I also I I want I have to get all three of them, so I'm gonna order the other two. I I love the owl just because of the symmetry. It looks so great, but the amalgam of the uh, of of the premium one, where you know it has the guy running in, it feels very moving pictures esque. Yeah. Where he's running, he's running into the museum and you have the owl flying out and you have, I, I know that Ed Robertson called that little totem dude something. I can't remember what it's called, but it's some specific, uh, like guidepost in, in Canada or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's that, that stacked statue dude. So yeah, you're talking about the echo, whatever it is. The Yeah. Yeah. It's the test for echo one. Yeah. The test for echo rocks. Yeah. 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 That so. was, that was a little odd that that wasn't, I don't think that was my idea. I remember them saying that they wanted to bring that in as sort of a character. Yeah. Somehow running out of there. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. it, it worked. It's cool. It's, I think it came out pretty cool. It's, it's very Canadian. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and honestly, my favorite part of all this artwork is that owl. I mean, that, that thing just looks amazing. The, it, it stands out on every art package that you see it on. The LE, the beautiful part about it is it does definitely play into the time machine and it definitely feels like um, they have these, you know, I, I think most bands do it now, but they have small, uh, small videos that they have recorded and it feels like it's straight out of one of their videos. Yeah. So, you know, trying to, to draw it all together. So I, I do love that. And I'm glad that I got the LE specifically because I think the art package on that one ties into the theme uh, into the theme the best for me yeah i i haven't actually seen an ellie in person i i really want to see that armor the guitar armor on the sides and that kind of stuff that i thought that was really cool looking so. well i'll i'll shoot you some pictures so you can see it up close okay or just come but, to utah i mean yeah, california utah. Utah. it's We're, not it's, too it's, far away it's an 11 hour drive come on yeah uh, <laughs> i'm coming over <laughs> you could make that back in back there yeah, in you a can day. Make it back in no time. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just drove from Ohio and back. That was that was a drive. You oh, geez, no that that's brutal. Woof. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you can email me at Mike at sunburndesigns.com uh, for those who are still on Facebook, <laughs> which seems like less and less people every day. But, you know, the, the art group that you mentioned on there earlier, which is uh, Mike Barnard uh, underscore art and then community. Um, that's probably where I'm at most of the time. That's where people message me at. And, you know, I, a lot of the guys that collect the discs and that kind of stuff or, you know, doing a lot of selling and trading on there. And that, that's pretty much my go-to spot, you know, when I list, list up artwork and stuff. So. Okay. You know. Is that the best place to buy art from you too? Um, well, I have an Etsy page. Um, okay. Which is Michael Barnard art. Um, yeah. I've got prints on there. A lot of the stuff that you were talking about earlier, you know, a lot of eighties theme prints. I, I've made a lot of my own, you know, kind of eighties movie posters for, Stuff that I feel like didn't really get enough, you know, I've got like a last starfighter and, you know, space balls and a Christmas story stuff. You don't see a lot of art for, I kind of have made my own stuff and I, I keep all that on there. Space um, balls, the pinball machine confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 actually, I want a Christmas story pinball machine. Yes. It would be, it would very specific to one month of the year, but that one yeah. month of the year would be epic. I think that would be a hit for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You get ho, 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 multi-ball. <laughs> or yeah. when you drain the ball, it just Santa putting his face on your, or his yeah. foot on your face yeah. and pushing oh, it down man. the slide. So many, so many great things. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, we certainly, we, we are going to get you uh, one of our hats too. It's the uh, Loser Kid version two. So uh-huh. we, uh, we, we just released them at Texas Pinball Festival and they are great. And I, I really think they look better than the original, if that's possible. So we'll definitely get that out to you. Awesome. And uh, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great talking to you. And even behind the scenes, I, I think I talked to you when the, when it first came out and I was probably <laughs> geeking out a little too much on the, the rush, but either way, you probably thought it was a crazy stalker, but no. we, it's been so great having you on. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. I haven't really had that much of a chance to talk about it much, you know, since it came out, I've just been kind of hanging out in the shadows and reading comments and learning my lesson not to interact with the trolls and just kind of, (laughs) just kind of taking it in from the outside. So it's nice to actually come on here and chat a little bit about it. So, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Definitely. Well, thanks again for coming on. So Scott, we just wrapped up with Michael. I always, every time I hear the end of an interview, I think of head to head and it's like, what did we learn? Yeah. What did we learn? Hmm. Well, uh, crikey, uh, I, I, I can't do an Australian accent, so it doesn't matter. Crikey. Um, yeah, just gator wrestling. Yeah. So, okay. So this is a, this is a two-parter. So now, so we did talk about, uh, rush and the art, and now we are actually moving into the tournament scene. Well, we are pushing the Allentown certified Stern pro circuit tournament. And currently on the, um, on the interview right now, we have Greg Waparelli, Pavarelli, and Crazy Levy Naiman. Welcome. Thanks. What's up, guys? Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Scott. Okay. So uh, we have a tournament coming up, and you guys are tournament bros. So let's talk about what uh, the tournament and what we have to offer. Uh, I'm, we're getting back into the tournament scene, the serious tournament scene, since we've been in, in hibernation for a couple of years. But it seems like we've come back with a force. So I, I want you to tell me about what you're planning on this tournament, uh, what people can expect, how to find things, and again, what the dates are and how they can participate. So let's, right. let's start with the first one. So Allentown, tell me about it. Uh, I'll field this one. I've been going to the Allentown show for about 20 years. 
It's one of my favorites. Uh, everybody who's been there, it's in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is kind of uh, a little northwest of Philly, uh, a couple hours um, west of New York City. Um, it's a cool tournament that uh, ha- features a large agricultural plex uh, hall filled with pinball machines. There's a great farmer's market across the street with chicken wings, ribs, Vietnamese, diner, pretty much anything you can think of eating, barbecue, uh, chips. Um, and it's just, uh, it's kind of a, a tradition pinball. And um, there's always been a tournament there. And uh, it's been big some years, it's been small some years. And this year, it, uh, it just kind of, uh, we stumbled upon it. It needed, uh, it was uh, it was on the ground and it needed somebody to pick it up and bring it to the, uh, to the woodshed. And that's what Greg and I have done. Uh, now, Greg is really, you know, the, his nickname is Whopperelli because he's uh, famous for his love and understanding of all things Whopper. And I think Greg is probably the best one to fill us in and kind of what this tournament is about from a nuts, bolts, and whoppers standpoint. And also, since you guys were talking about Rush, I think uh, Greg will have an interesting announcement related to a member of the Rush team and this Ooh. forthcoming tournament. Okay. I say, I see May 6th and 7th, yes. 2022. Yep, that's it. Uh, the show is Friday and Saturday. The tournament is all day qualifying on Friday. Get there early. Get there at noon. Uh, qualifying is 12 to 9 p.m. And you don't have to pre-register. You just show up with cash, $100 cash, and you'll get into this tournament. Uh, don't sweat. We've had a lot of people texting and emailing us about pre-registering and sending us money. And, it, you know, we just want it to be a, a big uh, yard sale cash up front deal. So show up with your money and uh, your time. And then finals, uh, should you make them, will be on Saturday. And uh, Greg's going to fill us in on how this all works. Okay, go ahead, Greg. And our uh, co-assistant tournament uh, co-under-supervisor who we've just signed up. Very exciting. So thank you, Levy, and thank you, guys. I am the expert on all things Whoppers here, and uh, we're super excited for this opportunity, as Levy said. Um, Kind of fell into our laps. Uh, This tournament has always been large in nature because of the multiple states that kind of feed the Pennsylvania area for Allentown, and uh, a lot of great players have always come over the years. It was a Stern Pro Circuit the last time that it was eligible uh, while the IFPA was still open pre-pandemic. And uh, we're super excited to be back in the swing of things. Um, you know, it's a it's a boom or beef world that we live in. And when we knew there was no opportunity for a Stern Pro Circuit, we could not let it go to waste because it was on the calendar. If nobody ran this tournament, we would have lost a Stern Pro Circuit this year. And and what is the yeah, Stern Pro Circuit, Greg? Why, why do people want to come to this tournament and get those yeah, Stern why, Pro Circuit points? Yeah. Why should people care about Stern Pro Circuit? So as you all know, the the Whoppers are always the greatest part of a win, but when you can escalate that to a whole new level. Um, how could you make a Whopper better, Greg? I don't understand how you could make a Whopper better than it already is. The, the very wise Josh Sharp has uh, bestowed upon us the unique ability to multitask the Whopper ranking points as well as the Stern Pro Circuit points, and even better yet, certified this year with the uncanny boost of 120%. Whoppers of the of the kind that you've never seen before, and uh, our format is aligned with that. Um, so that means our Whoppers are going to be worth more than other people's Whoppers? Correct. The Allentown Whoppers will be at a higher value. And if you do well in this tournament, it'll help you towards the Stern Pro Circuit and help you qualify for the Stern Pro Circuit final. So we're not just sending our dollars to Josh. We're sending $5 per player to Stern. Uh, for this uh, high-level elite tournament, which will happen at the end of the circuit. The 40, uh, actually now I think it's been reduced from 40 down to 20 top players in the circuit compete for 
glory and a whole lot of money. Um, Where else so, can you get this Whopper boost? Indisc, right? If you want to fly to California, they had it. There's only been a few others. Uh, Indisc gets the major boost and um, IFPA will get the major boost. But uh, I think there was five or six other tournaments that met that qualification. It's not easy to do, guys. You have to either be an open tournament that runs for over a certain time period, which we would not have been able to pull off. Um, but we did limited entry. So for those of you that are interested in coming, and we hope to see you there, there'll be 12 games on your ticket, and all 12 count, and you have to play 12 unique out of 20 games in the main bank. We are touting 25 machines in the tor- in the tournaments. There's going to be a children's and women's tournament, as well as a charity side tournament to raise money for Project Pinball. And uh, Levy's going to get to that list in a little bit, but we're super stoked about it. All really high-end quality machines um, from local local friends and, and players alike. Um, the finals will be Papa format. So it'll be four, two, one, zero scoring to advance to the next round. And there's going to be a lot of great stuff to come. Um, the you big announcement. 12 that we games in qualifying and they all count. Correct. You cannot beef, or you could, but you, you'd hope that your consistency brings you up on your, on your other games. So Surely there's, there's no reason beef in any kind of a balanced Whopper diet. I mean, you don't have to do. You don't have to blow up twelve games to qualify, right? Because no, I'm just I think, this up I think because, you want a solid eight or nine. Right, right. I'm just bringing this up because some people I've heard of, including like players who you think would know better, like guys who are ranked maybe one in the world, are saying they think it sounds like a tough format. Like, what do you say about that? What yeah, would you, you know, say to the number one player in the world if he thought that maybe this format was too tough for him? Whoa, whoa, Raymond. we're a non-drama <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so you're taking shots at Raymond, Ray Day. These are shots. Why do I love shot? Ray? Me and Ray are tight. We're bros. But I'm just I'm pointing out Look. that like <laughs> Ray is gonna play the format. You mark my words. He's gonna finish first in qualifying or second to Eric Stone. He's gonna Eric love Stone's it when he's coming? tried it. The only the one and only Eric Stone coming out of wow. pseudo retirement. Wow, his first ever appearance at the Allentown Pinball Tournament. So, Scott and Jeff, have you ever played a limited format where you only get a few tries per per game that matter? Have you ever played that format? Would that be Expo? Yes. Similar to Expo, yes. Yes, it would yes. be. Yes. Although yes, Expo, they don't all count, right? Don't you get like half of them are gimmies or five of them are gimmies? So we first stumbled across this por- format in Europe. Uh, we traveled to the distant land of Copenhagen in Denmark where they have a really cool setup with the guys at Pin Lab. And trust me, my first time doing it, I was anxious because I'm thinking I'm used to playing all day long, waiting in line, getting my redos. And it seemed like it would be frustrating. But when you walk up with that mentality where you know every game counts, you approach it differently. And, you know, you right, might you shoot a blow different them all shot. Up. You just got to put, put in a solid effort and try not to really screw anything up. And even then, you can screw a couple up because everybody else is going to also, I would think. Right. right. It's pretty impossible to, to get the GC on 12 games. Right. Well, exactly. we'll see if Stone or Ray Day or, or any of the other big names can pull that off. But it's tough. And uh, Greg yeah. and I have both done the gauntlet in Europe. Um, this is kind of a standard format over there. I was at Finland, uh, I think, in 2018 for that EPC. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I was at the one that Greg went to the, a year later. And we both did really well in that tournament. We, we both qualified. Um, the first year in Finland, I think I finished 10th, and Greg finished like 7th or 8th in uh, in Copenhagen. Um, so we didn't let this format frighten us. And I don't want any of you Americans to be afraid of this. This is how they do it over in Europe. And if you look at the top 25, there's like half of, half of that top 25 is filled with Euros. You got like Brits. You got you got Finns. You got Swedes. Uh, what else you got in there, Greg? 
some we got some Danish Germans, Italians, Germans. We got Italians. So, so, let's, so guys, don't be afraid of the format is what I'm saying. We ha- we have a lot awesome. of uh, juicy updates here, and one of them ties into the rush uh, aspect of of this episode. So we're super excited to announce that we have added Stern's own Tim Sexton um, wow. to our director team. He's going to be my assistant tournament director, and we know that he's going to be. Uh, able to bring us to an even higher level. Uh, great representative from Stern for a Stern Pro Circuit right here on the East Coast. And he's um, he recently he crossed into a- the top 25 from <laughs> booming it in uh, District 82 with a Whoppers flow. And, and it very is freely. Well, it too. So Timmy's even more Whopper obsessed right now than usual, I'd say, and he's on a roll. Um, we have a great support team uh, of local New York City uh, directors that work with me in the in the league uh, formats, and you know we're also super excited about this list of sponsors who have helped bring the tournament uh, prize pool and uh, you know extra prizes to a whole other level. Our our platinum sponsor Comet Pinball, we've got Spooky Pinball, Coin Taker, American Pinball, um, Jack Bar, Pin Graphics, the world famous Rock Fantasy. And are uh, very excited to be working with Mark from Backhand Pinball, who's going to be our high-level uh, production for for the commentary and the live stream. And we're, and we're bringing in high-speed internet for this because uh, you just can't trust the fairgrounds internet, as they've learned over the years. So, uh, like Bucks County Cable or whoever it is in uh, in Allentown is going to is going to come out. And they're going to lay down some high-speed pipe for us. And uh, Backhand Pinball, who I don't know if you guys seen, is a great uh, East Coast streamer. He did NYCPC. He's done uh, uh, Pentastic for a few years. He's going to be on the rig. Um, and if Greg and I beef out, you might see us in the booth. So that'll be fun, too. Although we both plan, of course, to be in the final four. All right. So you're going to have to uh, clue everybody else in on the Northeast slang. So if someone beefs out, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> when you when you missed the shot and drain out the left out lane and you had a trap and you should have won won the game, that's a total beef. It's both oh, a gotcha. noun, it's both a noun and a verb. Oh, okay, um, it's a combo. It can be, yeah. Um <laughs> unless you nail the combo, which is a boom. I mean, you get like the, you know, four-way combo in shadow, it's total boom. So it's beef or boom, right? It's a beef or boom world we live in, as Greg said before. And uh you know, we're just we're just trying to make our way in it. Basically, I don't want to say Levy. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say Levy invented boom, but he's probably overused it enough that well, people can't get it out of their head. The boom, but it was in a, <laughs> he's done a different way. Yeah. Also, wanted to thank Pin Graphics, another one of our sponsors, and of course Josh Sharp at the IFPA. Which reminds me, uh, if if head to head pinball uh, taught you guys anything, it's certainly not anything of value for tournament pinball. But we still love those guys. Oh wow, <laughs> man, they're they're still dead, and you're you're kicking the corpse. What's no. going on there? <laughs> no, they're, they're they're good guys. Yeah, and I'm very excited to play. Uh, you know the the new and improved uh, game that that Marty's put out there. Can't wait till I get to play it. Jack Bar is getting one, and um, hoping oh, that and, comes uh, through. Uh, one more thing to add about this format is a really nice thing about it is you're not chained to the games all day. Um, Allentown again, it's a fun show, and the farmers market is is awesome. Uh, I can't believe people still go to that snack bar and get like those disgusting hot dogs in the hall when you can just walk across the street to this glorious, magnificent, magnificent farmer's market, uh, which you'll have plenty of time to do because 12 games, it's not going to be that tough to put them in. Um, in the past, uh, another reason we chose this format is in the past lines have been an issue there. Some of you guys have been previously might remember that. 
Um, it's not going to be a problem with 12 games. Everybody's playing 12 games. That's what you get for your hundred bucks. You, you don't, there's no upsell. You don't put more money in after. Uh, in the past, if you bought your maximum entries, you might've spent 160 bucks, but here it's going to be a cool Benjamin. Um, and also the games are going to be super playable. We're not taking the ball saves off. Uh, we're not putting stupid rules in that you've never played before. Um, they're going to be, it's going to be every game counts, but the game's going to be playable and it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so it is yeah. a limited entry. You get one entry for your Benjamin mm-hmm. and 12 games. Boom, you're done. That's right. Right? Yeah. There's going to be 24 A finalists and then 24 B finalists for those that aren't ranked in the top 100. And um, there's prize payout for every single finalist uh, in all the tournaments. We're going to have nice trophies, um, plenty of donated prizes like play fields and additional stuff that's non-monetary in value. The the, the extras from Stern Pinball for for – their package. And, you know, we went well out of our way to try to make this the best possible Allentown pinball tournament that's ever occurred. And we look to keep it that way for years to come. So we did spend a lot of money on uh, making sure we bring everybody high quality collector games of multiple eras and diversity. So really quick before we answer more questions, Levy, why don't you just plug those games? Cause I think we, we, we got a good list here. Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, point out, it's not just the A and B There's also a, a women's tournament and they'll have their own bank, right, Greg? Yeah, those are separate tournaments. The women's tournament is a separate tournament ranked. I was I was just referring to A and B for those. And there's a kids the tournament game. as well, right? Correct. And they're using the same games or a different set of games? Uh, the women's is going to be on different games from the main tournament. And okay. the kids are going to play the same ones that everybody else are playing? Correct. All right. Well, let's get to those games. Um, we crowdsourced these games, Uh and uh, we have a lot of generous sponsors and enthusiastic players who are coming to the uh, to the show. And here's what we got. Uh, we've got Dolly Parton. Um, I do know that's going to be in the women's bank, um, but the rest we're going to kind of sort out uh, next week. So we got Dolly Parton. We got Whirlwind, Space Station, Shadow, Countdown. The world famous rock fantasy is bringing us Star Trek Pro, Walking Dead Pro, X Men Pro and Game of Thrones. My friend Stephen Haberman is bringing us Stern's classic Galaxy from 1979-1980. Um, Howard from Project Pinball is bringing us Aztec, Royal Rumble, Jungle Princess, Frankenstein, and Gottlieb's 300. And I think the Frankenstein is going to be a Project Pinball charity game, Greg? Yep, and it's H-U-O. It's very nice. It is nice. They got these... You know, like, I'm not going to begrudge them because it's a charity, but, like, he popped up on Facebook a few days ago with, like, look what I picked up today. He got a – they got donated to them this home use only Frankenstein and a fun house. I'm like, oh, come wow. on, Howard. Like, you know, you know, the kids would have been just as happy with, like, say, my old Harlem Globetrotters that I'd give you for them. But uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> I'll make you a trade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then we got Harlem Globetrotters. We got Flash Gordon, Classic Ballets. We've got Dragon Fist, brought to us by Slam Tilt's Bruce Nightingale, famous for his top-quality restored pinball machines and his rare Stern collection, bringing us Dragon Fist. We've got Stern Star Wars Pro. We've got the Gottlieb Classic Wedgehead, Volley. That's a great game. Uh, Coin Taker is bringing us an Avengers Pro to play in the tournament. We're really happy about that. And uh, we've got Chris McDonough, I believe, is bringing us a, a Black Knight Sword of Rage, and a Led Zeppelin Pro. Uh, and then if that's not enough, we also got a, a Williams Blackout classic uh, Orbit game from 1981. And we have Bally's Viking. 
So uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, our games might be better than the games in free play. So if you want to play the best games in the tournament, come into this tournament. That's a really impressive collection. So uh, in the past, when uh, how many people can they expect to enter into the? I, I know we're inviting everybody to show up and pop down their hundred dollars, but how many people do do you expect to get? I'm going to say optimistically, uh, we're going to expect as much as the last time it was a Stern Pro Circuit, close to 200. I think conservatively, 150 would be the minimum I'm expecting there. So uh, a lot of it is just traffic from the show. Um, $100 might sound expensive, but at the end of the day, the previous formats actually racked up more than that because you'd have to pay for additional entries. Um, yeah, every and, major tournament I've been to in the last few years has been more than a hundred dollars. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah. I know Pump and Dump. I usually spend well over two hundred. So at the end of the day, the limited format could actually be more cost effective for everybody. And um, how about an estimated no Whopper what, Hall, Greg? Oh, ballpark. The math, the math on that really quick. I'd say the base is definitely maxed at thirty-two, and then based off of attendance, it's going to be like at least. Base 32, whatever that means. That's good, right? So that means I if you take gonna, I, think it's gonna, I think we're breaking 70 Whoppers for first, guys. Mm. Dang. That's a lot. With the certified boost, for sure. The question I have is for people like me that don't play in tournaments very often that may want to get into something like this, but they're afraid to bring 100 bucks because they feel like they're just putting into the Raymond Davidson fund. <laughs> what would you want to say to them to convince them, hey, this is something you should come out to and, and enjoy and you, you still are going to have a fun time versus, you know, don't sit at home. Well, I, I think that's a, a great lot question. Of, I'm sorry. A lot of people who think they're not going to do well are going to end up qualifying in B. Like a lot of first timers will qualify in B um, because, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to play your games. And if you play loose, you, you just might get enough points to qualify in A or B. Forty eight people will qualify for the finals. And that's a lot. Um, so, and you, and you're going to get some valuable experience either way. I, I started playing in, in that same mindset of, well, I want to compete and I want to get better at this. Uh, I can win locally, but what's the point of driving all the way to Pittsburgh to, uh, you know, throw away my money. And I remember one of my first, uh, circuit events, I qualified, even though I had that, uh, fearful mindset. So I would encourage anybody to go out there, get your feet wet. The only way that you're going to improve at tournament pinball is by practicing and playing against players that have more experience than you it's a lot of fun each and every time and no matter what we're paying every single person that qualifies for the finals the payout's going to be very high um we're expecting you know no less than thirty uh, percent of of the payout total to go to b so it'll be 70 30 split for the prize pool for a and b and that'll be a very very high amount for the winner of b so you're going to be seeing hundreds of dollars in the b division for those finalists and uh, minimum of a thousand dollars for a um, for first place. So at the end of the day, it might seem like a tall glass of water or, or a big hill to climb, so to say. But you go out there and you play some good games, and you can surprise yourself. Uh, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be your only opportunity to play these awesome games we put together um, because uh, it's not open to the regular tournament. Um, this lineup is for tournament players only. And it's, the tournament will end at the same time the show ends on Saturday night around uh, 9 o'clock. Um, so, so there's that. And the other thing is we're going to have prizes um, that are randomly going to be given out to everybody. Some of the swag, uh, some cool, maybe maybe a T-shirt here or there, maybe some uh, koozies. 
maybe a translator too. So uh, everybody who plays has a chance to win, whether they know it or not. It's true. So it seems like everybody's going to have a great time. I mean, it, it, like every, one or two guys are going to like melt down yeah. and not have a good time. It always happens. But I'd say 95% of the people are going to have a fantastic time. But the rest Correct of us will odds. have even more of a good time laughing at that of, at those teams. <laughs> that's true. Look, if Do you want to be the entertainer or the entertainee? That's the question. <laughs> and honestly, if you've never seen some of these guys play, I mean, it's like, you know, like imagine like like they were just having an open uh, drafting call and, you know, you can pay $100, you know, you can play with the Mets like one day. Uh, well, maybe I'll pick a good team. Like, who? well, whatever. Oh, wow. Ouch. Wow. We might be beating the National League uh, wow. in, in oh, standings wow. over here, buddy. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, just, yeah, just like last year, right, Greg? No, to Levy's oh. point, though, what I would say is one thing that's incredible about this kind of thing is, okay, you came out, you gave it your best, and you learned a lot, and then you get to watch these finalists. And, like, don't get me wrong, uh, Levy and I have done great in plenty of tournaments, but there's nothing like watching, like, Eric Stone – Battle Raymond Davidson and the other guys of that elitist class. Like I would predict at any given moment, Stone is capable of like breaking one of our flippers from playing so long. So yeah, and you have a ringside seat, and you're playing with them. You're qualifying next to these guys, um, and you might even get to play against Greg or I in finals. Um, and then maybe, then you'll really learn something. One thing that I really like about going to these tournaments is because even if I'm not uh, playing a lot or or getting deep into the tournament, it's always nice to have the streaming rig. And it, usually there's a, a place that you can watch the competition and, and usually listening to the commentators help me understand more about the game and help me understand what the goals are. And it really is pretty amazing because I would drain in 10 seconds. However, just watching the skill set that they have to keep the ball alive, um, that's worth the price of admission alone, whether or not I'm playing. And it, it definitely levels up my game when I see what the elite players are doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you said that too. To echo what Scott is saying too, we've had people like Bo and Karen's on the show and Raymond Davidson, and they said that the way they got better is going out to these events, rubbing shoulders with people and learning techniques that you can't really see on screen. Right. You, know, you got to be there in person to understand. And you could and don't be afraid to ask questions either. You know, I was playing a tournament locally uh back in twenty nineteen and I got the the big billion hurry up on attack for Mars Mm. and I I walk away from it. I I instantly go into first and the guy behind me is like, what the heck did you just do? (laughs) It's like, I thought everyone knew about the 1 billion hurry up. So there's even stuff you're going to learn. Like you do every day. No, no biggie. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite shot in pinball. That's so cool. Oh yes. And so I mean, had so many brilliant moments, but that, that, Billion point hurry up just makes you feel so happy every time. Oh, yes. So accomplished. And uh, Bowen's an Allentown guy. I wonder if we'll be seeing him. Bowen will be there, I bet. I bet he will be. He's been to several. Scott, I'm glad you said that about the the, watching the stream, too, because one thing that we uh, made sure was in the rules, we have it so that the banks that the finalists will play are going to be diverse, and then you won't be able to play three Stearns. You'll have to play a Stern, a solid state of Williams, and you won't be able to pick the same bank twice. And the reason that we really feel like that's important is for the people watching at home, you don't want to watch the same game over and over again, just because the guy that's winning can crush it. I know as much as it's cool to watch someone do well, you don't want to see whirlwind every single round because somebody keeps nailing the jackpots. It's yeah. true. So it'll it's be, true. it'll be a, a flowing uh, finals on, on the stream. We care about our viewer. 
um, to the expense of our player who's going to be forced to pick one of the banks that we select. And they're going to be interesting banks. So you're not going to see somebody just pick, you know, uh, you're not going to see somebody pick like X-Men three times in finals. Uh, and that'll keep it more interesting for the players. Uh, it'll uh, keep it a little a little more parody, I think, because um, you're going to have to pick several games, not just one uh, together. And uh, I think it'll be good for the uh, I think it'll be good for the stream and it'll be good for the commentators, too, because nothing sucks more than calling the same game four times in a row. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. So if, you have, if you haven't been to Allentown, come out, guys. And it's also a great place to buy machines. I bought my first ever pinball machine there. Uh, you tend to find people that are trying to get rid of it and they didn't sell it by the end of the show. You get a working functional EM for a couple hundred bucks that you could Saturday night special. Back your car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it is this year. And I think that stuff's still going to be there. Allentown's always been a good place to buy older games. Like, if, you know, if you're showing up and you want to buy a Monster Bash, you might be out of luck. Um, but if you're willing to hang around <laughs> on Saturday and pick up a Gottlieb Countdown or Sinbad or something like that at a good price, I bet there's going to be stuff like that there because uh, there always pick, is. You can pick up a Drunken Lonely game. So <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay, so so uh, now the website pinfestival.com p-i-n-f-e-s-t-i-v-a-l.com and there's a pdf if you look it actually talks about the tournament there that's right we put all the money into the tournament well we didn't waste it on a fancy schmancy website uh or even update it to 2022 i believe it might still say 2021 uh but it, 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 it does if you search for it yes, <laughs> yes. until you click on it and then it says pinfest 2022 so which is exactly what feel, it is right if um, it makes you feel any better a lot of us are confused when it, like the twippies are the 2021 even though we had it in the year 2022 I'm, so hey you could just go like that right i think i'm go. flying to florida I think rigged i haven't been nominated for anything yet i say it's <laughs> it's not fair right i think um, you would know the answer to this. i think i'm flying to florida in a couple of weeks for like the 2019 ifpa championships yeah, Levy qualified for the World Championships, but he does, he can't remember when it was that he qualified. It was it. Right. It's a pandemic, ago. but we're finally yeah. doing it. So uh, I get to play yeah. it, even though I'm ranked 120th now. I feel like I'm Jeff Teolos right now, but you could also find us on Facebook. Um, if you look up uh, Pinfest, Allentown, something or other, you'll see the event page there. And, um, and there's you even know. a pin side thread about Pinfest. Um, wow. Okay. Wow. All right. You can go there and you can find a bar sign to buy or some old plastics. Um, or you can read my once a page plugs and updates on the Allentown website. Uh, oh, that's true. If anybody listening is coming, please bring me some Harlem Globetrotters plastics for my, my game in my house. No, which one are you looking for? The Eiffel Tower. Oh, the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I picked up an Earthshaker, and it's 99% Earthshaker, 1% Adam's Family. Uh, what it's a sling? Is it a sling? The, the left is sling. Is chair that? or an it hand? <laughs> the, no, it's the left sling is Morticia. Nice. Might as well keep it. It's a Cat Lawler game, right? You have yep. to mix it up. It's fine. Uh, that's cool. at, at least it's peri- period specific. So, If you yeah. ever sell it, you can call it a mod. That's what I was thinking. Like That raises the value, right? Because Adam's Families are just ridiculous right now. So. Well, you know, well, I, I, I told my dad a couple of years ago, hey, can I just put a bunch of games in the basement? They're like a good investment. You should put some money in it. And like now, a couple of years later, I, I really should have pushed it. It's like better than yeah. stocks. Yes, exactly. Looking at the market right now, but we're not going to go into that. No. Okay. So <laughs> uh, if you if you go to the website and there's a big uh, a pinball on fire, it says PinFest IFP a tournament, click that bad boy and it goes right to a PDF that tells you everything about it. So that's right. Greg and I are flaming. That ball is on fire. 
Um, and it, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a gay old time. We can't wait. We'll see you on the 6th, bright and early. Be on time so you can get your games in. And uh, and uh, thanks for thank having us so on, much. guys. Uh, it's no problem. fun to plug yes. this. You know, we've been holding out. All the big podcasts wanted us to plug this show. And exactly. Greg said, Greg said, we're going loser kid. I know these yeah, guys. That's the, that, that's the way to go. We'll, we'll get you guys some hats so you can wear them and represent. Awesome. Oh, if you, if you send us hats, we will wear it on the stream as we commentate finals. There yes. you go. Well, and, uh, Orville Albert keeps saying he's the fifth favorite podcast, but isn't that us now? Cause we came in fifth on Twippies, right? So that uh, we, I think we're we like came in fourth, didn't we? Did we come no, we fourth? came in fifth. Cause it went, oh, it went, all right. uh, okay. Chris, just remember, Canada doesn't really Chris. count, guys. <laughs> and then it went pinball show, and then went bro to you even pinball, and then uh, us. So okay, yeah. that okay, that's four. Just in case you're wait, Teolus has fallen down. Oh, Chris, Chris. Okay, yeah. So Canada, uh, super awesome. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Because everyone wants to hear about that right now, you know. Yeah, exactly. I can't get it out. Hey, look. I mean, if you're not Godzilla. It's it's not it's, your fault. I know, right? It's all good. It's as, it's as no fear would say, if you're not first, if you're second place, you're the first you're loser. First loser. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks Ricky again, Bobby. guys. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, we are loser kid pinball podcast at gmail.com. We are on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch, all at loser kid pinball. You're gonna want to start following us on Twitch. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. It's a little ways out. Uh but I just want to start pushing it now because I am so stoked. We got so many people behind us on it. It's going to be awesome. So uh, anything else for us, Scott, before we sign out? No, I think we're good. Uh, definitely go to PinFest and get those Whoppers. Yeah.